There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's Tuesday, October 18th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, we are learning more about a quadruple killing inside a home in Prince William County. Police arrested a man who called 911 after the shooting happened. WTOP's Neil Augenstein has the details. It did make sense that, that neighbors wouldn't have heard the shooting, given what the evidence was that they found. And this incident is just the latest, unfortunately, in a string of mounting domestic violence cases in our region. We talked to Montgomery County Assistant State's Attorney Debbie Feinstein about the types of resources there are in our region for victims of domestic violence and tips on how to have a conversation with someone in your life who may be in a dangerous situation. And really, the statement is, I'm worried about you. How can I help? And that's really the opening line. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. And I'm Megan Cloherty. Prince William County Police found four people dead on Monday night in what Chief Peter Newsham has called a senseless act. The three family members and a tenant who lived in the basement were all shot and killed. Newsham says police arrested the man who initially called police to report the shooting, and his motive is still unclear. WTOP's Neil Augenstein joins us now to really help us understand this story and fill in the gaps. Neil, thanks for being here. My pleasure. Now, we are really at the very beginnings of this investigation, but lay out the facts for us here. Where and when did this happen? Well, this did happen yesterday afternoon. And uh, according to uh, police chief Peter Newsom, a call came in from somebody who said that uh, that somebody had shot into a home and that uh, that there may have been people who were killed in the home. Mm. By the time uh, police got there and they and they saw the uh, the four victims, they later realized that the person who called and said that that someone may have been shot was actually the suspect. And again, it's early, but tell us, Neil, what we know about the suspect um, and that he he did live there, correct? Yes, everybody, um, apparently everybody lived there. The the victims, a man and his uh, his new bride uh, and their their 19 year old daughter also lived there. Uh, there was a person, uh, a man, who was renting a room in the basement. Uh, he was also shot. So the the four people who were killed, and uh, Newsham said that while initially they thought that, that all four were, were shot, at this point they know that three people were shot, and one, they're, they're still waiting for the autopsy. Hmm. But uh, Newsham does believe that the 19-year-old girl was killed first, and then the adults were killed after that. And Neil, do we have anything in the realm of a motive here? Chief Newsham said that they are still working on the motive. He did say that uh, whatever the uh, the motive ends up, that it was a senseless killing. You know, this guy has been charged. My hope is that he never, ever sees the light of day again. The person who was taken into custody, 24-year-old David Maine, called police after he allegedly shot and killed these four people. 
it's interesting that he called 911. Is there any more to that? Does police say why he may have done that? Newsom said that that he believed that the goal was probably just to try to throw off police mm. because uh, you know to, to say that somebody shot into the 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 home. Newsom said when they got there and they saw the evidence, uh, it suggested otherwise. That my guess, you know, reading between the lines here, what he's saying is that that the the wounds would have been the kind of wounds that you would get from a, a close up gunshot rather than somebody shooting far into a home. Well, that and they were all, I think you mentioned this, they were all found in different rooms, correct? So that doesn't really line up with that that theory either. Exactly. And there's a sixth person here that wasn't, you know, at the house when this tragic killing spree really happened. Tell us about this kind of sixth person who really lived here. There's very little that uh, I know at this point. Uh, It is a person who um, who lived there, according to the chief. And my guess is that the person is a, is a key witness because uh, Newsom said that that person has been cooperating with police and is continuing to talk. And uh, my guess is that person is able to uh, tell police a lot about what happened, uh, the relationships, if any, between the different people. And, uh, you know, I think that sort of information will come out later as, uh, as the case progresses. Um, can you describe the neighborhood for us where this happened, Neil? Because we don't hear a lot out of Prince William County as far as um, homicides. I'm interested to see if the houses are close together or if neighbors heard anything possibly. The home where the shooting happened is a relatively quiet neighborhood. Uh, neighbors did uh, did not report hearing gunshots, mm. and uh, Newsom was asked that. And uh, while Newsom wasn't willing to talk about the kind of gun that was uh, that was recovered, he did say that it, it was it did make sense that that neighbors wouldn't have heard the shooting, mm. uh, given what uh, what the evidence was that they found. That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, Maine is in custody. What charges does he face and what's next for him in this case? He faces four counts of second degree murder. And uh, when someone is charged with with uh, second degree murder, that generally means that there's not premeditation uh, involved in the case, and that's what the, the Newsom uh, said during the news conference. That the charge reflects the evidence that that they have. He's also charged with two counts of using a firearm in the commission of a felony. Just two counts. Mm. I'm interested to see how those will change, if they will change. Yeah, we'll surely keep an eye on this case. Neil, thank you so much for updating us and giving us all the information we have at this point. Always a pleasure. After the break, you may know the signs of a stroke or even the signs of drowning, but do you know what to look for to identify someone who could be a victim of domestic violence? We talked to an expert so you know this life-saving information. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602 changing lives. I'm Paul Wagner. Join me as I dig deep into the mysterious case of the Potomac River Rapist. Listen to Unknown Subject, Season 3 of WTOP's award-winning American Nightmare podcast series, available now wherever you get your podcasts. 
Domestic violence is a reality in our society, and it's growing. First responders have noted an uptick in domestic violence situations, especially among family members, not just domestic partners. We've heard this from a couple of different uh, jurisdictions, Fairfax being one of them. Debbie Feinstein is chief of the Special Victims Division in Montgomery County State's Attorney's Office, and not only has litigated a number of these cases, but knows the resources available to those who need help getting out of a dangerous living situation or relationship. Debbie, first of all, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. It can kind of be hard to say specifically, like, this is what you look for if you're trying to help someone who's in a domestic violence situation. It's not like they have, like, help written on their forehead or something. And it's very nuanced, right? But it almost seems to me like there is a utility here where we could help people possibly have that conversation with someone in their life who they may think may be in a dangerous or controlling relationship or um, living situation. Is there any tip you could give us to to maybe start that conversation or identify someone who might be having a hard time? Absolutely. Um, if you have a friend or a family member that typically was involved in a lot of different things, someone new came into their life, whether it's an intimate partner or someone else, mm. um, we see this with elderly individuals as well. Um, and the person begins to withdraw, change their patterns, their appearance may change, they may lose weight, they may gain weight. Um, Things that just seem different and out of the norm for the person could be a red flag that something else is going on. And really, the question is, you know, I'm worried about you or the statement is I'm worried about you. How can I help? Um, And that's really the opening line, um, you know, or I feel like something might be going on with you that you're not ready to tell anyone about. I'm Mm -hmm. here for you when you are you know, I will, you know, I'm not, I won't judge you. I care about you deeply, you know, really just to affirm the person and let them know that you're there for them. Right. Mm. To throw off the sort of defensive mechanism that some people might have like, oh no, I'm fine. Right. So you're saying kind of give them that extra, like, I'm not trying to judge you. Exactly. And, and, and even more than that, it's, I'm not trying to control you. What we see a lot in intimate partner violence situations is that, you know, someone in thinking that they're doing good saying, you know, why don't you leave him or her? Why are you staying in this situation? This is dangerous. What are you doing? And that's actually the exact opposite of what we should be saying to our friends and family and community members that we're concerned about, because they're already being controlled. We shouldn't be the ones to sort of add to that control piece, but instead say, look, we're here for you. We're going to walk beside you. We're going to support you. We're going to hold you up rather than we're going to tell you what to do and what we think is right. Mm. Now, shifting from kind of the outside perspective of seeing someone who might be struggling with someone, you know, sometimes it's hard to see personally if you're in a controlling, you know, relationship. What are some signs that, you know, you can kind of self-reflect with? Mm. Absolutely. That's a great question. And domestic violence comes in all forms. It's not only sort of the physical, which is the thing that we think about a lot with domestic violence. It also can be emotional. It can be financial. It can be sexual. It can be psychological. There's lots of different ways that it can happen. And I think, again, it's a power and control dynamic. So if one partner is exerting sort of more power and control over the other one, it may be subtle. I remember talking to a woman whose husband used to leave her a daily allowance on the top of her toilet or a weekly allowance on the top of her toilet seat. And that was the money that she had to spend. He picked out all of her clothes for her. She didn't view herself as someone in a power and control dynamic, but she absolutely was. And ultimately, you know, something more dramatic and physical happened and she was able to extract herself from the situation. But there were those little signs before Mm. that. And as far as resources Mm -hmm. go, so let's say, you know, whether you're 
a potential victim or you're seeing someone who is being, you know, hurt or victimized, what are the resources you can look towards, you know, to possibly fix or keep this from getting violent? So in Montgomery County, we're really fortunate to have the Family Justice Center, which is a one-stop shop for victims of domestic violence. Um, and again, it is free, it's confidential, it's immigration blind. You can call, you can walk in, even if you want to be anonymous and call and get advice, whether that's for yourself or for a friend that you're worried about, you can do that too. We also have the Crisis Center through our Health and Human Services Department, the Abuse Persons Program. We have many, many free resources here in Montgomery County, and I know that our um, surrounding jurisdictions do as well. And it can even start out with a call to 911 and just saying, I, I don't have an emergency, but I need help. Where do I go? Mm. Um, and, and seek services that way. Or in Montgomery County, we have 311. Same thing. You call mm. and you say, this is the kind of help I'm looking for. You don't even have to say who you are. Getting back to that psychology of this, um, I know from my reporting on domestic violence over the years that I've heard, you know, domestic violence victims may often feel they either won't be believed, they may feel they've brought the abuse on themselves, or that nothing can be done. What's the point of going to get help if this person's still going to remain in my life? Can you talk about what um, resources there really are to, I guess, just to start on that path? Because you can start in a number of different ways. That's a great question. So really, the first step is someone making a decision that they want things to change. Um, you know, there's a statistic, I think it's either one, seven, seven episodes of physical abuse or 10 episodes of physical abuse before someone is even ready to leave. Wow. It's really hard. Someone's mm. being controlled. They may feel ashamed. As you were saying, they may feel it's like their fault or they brought this on themselves. And there's a lot of embarrassment um, that goes along with it. And there can be cultural reasons that people don't want to reveal what happened. Again, the fear of not being believed. Mm -hmm. And so really the first step is saying, you know, I'm, I'm ready to make a change. I may not know what that change is, but I'm ready to make a change. Um, and then to start thinking about safety planning. Uh, it can be very dangerous for a victim of domestic violence to decide to make a decision to leave a relationship and to act on that decision. So to work with experts and to work with therapists and resource providers um, and uh, to think about what's, what is that going to look like? In Montgomery County, we have access to free housing, um, for other free services, food, uh, programs for kids, all sorts of ways to wrap services around someone that's ready to leave. But it really starts with that safety planning mm -hmm. um, so that someone doesn't have to feel afraid or they probably still will feel afraid, but at least can feel like they have a plan, right. um, you know, on how to try to stay as safe as possible. Mm. And I'd imagine a major barrier, you know, in, in making that first step is kind of this feeling of being trapped and, you know, hopeless about the situation. From your experience, you know, do these steps towards getting away from a domestic violence situation, you know, work? Is there, you know, hope in other words? Absolutely. I've seen it many, many times over the course of my career. I've been in this work for well over 20 years at this point, and I have seen many women, men, children, others that have been impacted by domestic violence come out on the other side mm. and lead lives that are free of fear. Um, but, you know, it may take them taking the first step. It may take a friend or a family member or a neighbor saying, hey, are you OK? And helping them take that first step um, along the way so that they can feel supported. But there's absolutely hope. And there are so many resources and so many people that want to help um, that uh, that can help, you know, change that. It's really important information. I mean, when you talk about this is everywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is this is your neighbor. This is your friend. I mean, this can happen to anybody. So just being armed with those tools, Debbie, I think is so important to share with people. 
um, Chief Assistant State's Attorney from Montgomery County, Debbie Feinstein. Uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. And before we go, out of nowhere, King's Dominion has announced <laughs> that they are open year-round now, which is kind of insane. Okay, I, I like literally am wrapping my brain around that, and my the, the wheels are turning slowly today. Wait, so you can go on a roller coaster in January? You know, I guess so. You better bundle Woo-hoo. up though, because that's that's cold. I mean, that's that's ice cold. I think they said weekends, or I saw somewhere weekends in January, February, March. What could go wrong? <laughs> All I know is just that just cold like, weather and mechanics. <laughs> I'm just imagining a frozen roller coaster at the top of Intimidator 305. No, let me tell you what. Megan Clarity doesn't like a roller coaster to start with. Really? No. Like you can't stomach it. Like that's that's kind of the deal. I have like never been a heights person. Mm. I can do bridges. I can do mountains, but not like intentionally falling from heights is right. not a thing for me. Experiencing two G's of force no, no, is not your cup of tea. I like, I like being on the ground, I guess. I'm, I'm boring. Yeah. So to do it in January, man, oh man, do I not want to do that. It's <laughs> kind I'm of sure intriguing. There, there's people who like love these parks. Oh, so I, for I'm sure, sure there's going to be, I mean, I'm sure there'll be people there. I'm and, sure there will. Yeah, the adrenaline rush, that's, that's what you do it for. I used to kind of be like an adrenaline junkie like that, going to Hershey Park and... I don't think Hershey Park and adrenaline junkie. I think Hershey Park Fahrenheit? and Fahrenheit? Have you been to Fahrenheit? <laughs> that's no. zero to 60 in like two seconds. I'm thinking like candy bars and, and big characters. And Bush Gardens, okay? Yes, okay, all right. So you're a roller coaster person. Yeah, and Six Flags, not to mention that. I mean, yeah. I guess I was. I haven't gone on in years, so I, I honestly don't know. I feel like that changes with age. Is that a thing? Can I tell you what is really a thing with age, which stinks, is, and I remember this when I was little, even at um, Rehoboth, what's it called, on the boardwalk, Funland. I used to want to go on those spinny rides. Yeah, yeah. And my parents would be like, uh, why don't you go by yourself and we'll be here watching you? <laughs> and I was like, why don't you guys want to do it? And it's true. Like, the older you get, this when stuff spins you around... It, like, messes you up. Whoa, you like your balance and stuff. Yeah, it's just like you get dizzy easier. I don't even know. I'm sure there's going to be, we're going to have five emails about people being like, how do you not know this is a thing with age? But it is true, because my kid wanted me to go on one of those things, and it was not fun. Well, dang, winter's coming up, so maybe i got to check out King's Dominion to just test if I can still take it. Actually, that would be the the funniest video ever, just like you bundled up, like, only your eyeballs showing. (laughs) It might happen. No promises, though. I don't know. I, I, I think you have... You know, thrown the gauntlet down. <laughs> I'm locked in now, yeah. Now you're locked in. I'll take it. And that'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. <laughs> You've learned so much about us today. Oh, my God. We are brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Give us a review and rate our show if you get the chance, and tell everyone you know about this show. Literally, <laughs> just everyone. You can find us... <laughs> Have it be the only thing you say to anyone all day. You can find us on social media. We're posting every day. And you can also find out more about this podcast and become a VIP listener at dmvdownload.com. Yeah, and we'll share that King's Dominion note stuff on social media today, too, so you can Sometime. find it. Yeah, eventually. At some point. Uh, the DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP app. Have a great Tuesday night.